In food news, we are elated to state that the cheese does not stand alone. Bolstered by our galvanizing actions here on this revolutionary podcast, other Taco Bell-loving corners of the internet have joined their voices to ours to echo the frustration. And presently, the Taco Bell subreddit, r slash Taco Bell, has been set to private in protest of the decision to remove the Mexican pizza, and, quote-unquote, will remain locked until Taco Bell reverses their decision. I wish I were lying. <laughs> Wait, but if you wanted honesty, you have come to the wrong place. Here's something to think about. When you drink alcohol, you live with In I think I missed half of the references, but I understood the point. <sighs> this is the Disinformed Podcast. I am Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. Guys, we started a movement. We have. <laughs> and the movement normally started by Taco Bell. We have to keep, you know, closeted in a bathroom somewhere. But this is a different sort of movement. Yeah, Michael, did you find... or Well, one, that wasn't bullshit? No, the uh, the <laughs> the subreddit r slash Taco Bell is private. So if presently. I if I go to Taco Bell, <laughs> it is not accessible. Oh god, <laughs> A Taco well, Hell. It... And furthermore, whilst John is perusing this, Mashed dot com has actually provided us with a recipe for making the Mexican pizza yourself at home a, to you help aid in a... protest. <laughs> and to starve Taco Bell's coffers even further. Uh, and so we're going to provide that recipe to you all today in the show notes. So <laughs> oh, down sweet. below, you will see Mashed.com's particular Mexican pizza recipe, and it's delicious. I don't mind telling you. You know, this is... I never thought I'd be on Taco Bell's subreddit. And it is just as depressing inside of the subreddit as it is inside of their restaurant. Um... Oh wow! It's not private, by the way. You 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 got me. <laughs> uh, I mean, when do I? <laughs> according to the site that I looked at previously, yeah. they claimed that uh, you know these predators were you know fighting it. It may have happened, but all I saw was a sad picture of a chalupa. Um, <laughs> you may be looking in the wrong subreddit, my friend. <laughs> Grandma's baking pies. <laughs> yes yes which by the uh, way if you want some holiday cheer you can go check that one out so uh, i think it's actually the r slash uh soft bake i think is what we're looking for right goodness now gracious. But, michael you found an article that uh that we did catch on and that there is uh, a restaurant in austin that is starting to do exclusively removed objects from taco bell's menu right Yep, uh, it's uh, a bar in Austin. Uh, will host pop up events where they will be selling their take on the Mexican pizza and seven layer burritos. Fuck yeah! Uh, under the name Taco Fuego, uh, beginning actually the day of recording. Okay, I have actually seen a Taco Fuego installation. Oh, where? Wait a minute. 
That was after I, you... I have no. I have been in Austin, Texas previously, oh. and I'm fairly certain that this exists now. Granted, I think there's also a different subset of like a taco cabeza or something similar to steal from the Breaking Bad vibes here. Okay. But there was another very famed chain in Texas that exists as well. But I'm fairly certain I saw a Taco Fuego somewhere. Okay. Well, you heard it here first, or last, or somewhere in between. But we, uh, I think we've done. What we set out to do, gentlemen, um, we started this uh, almost a month ago, and it's been like any active movement. Like it's been, it's been trying. You know, there's been ups, mm-hmm. there's been downs. Uh, usually, usually ups. You know, because we're fighting for a good cause. But mm-hmm. uh, thank you for listening to our words of caution, Taco Fuego. Uh, you're welcome. I mean, let's stick with the exaltation here because we do want to take a moment to just let all of this soak in. And we did claim the revolution would not be televised, but by God, it was podcasted. It was. (laughs) They're probably going to make a teledoc about this. Uh, We're doing it right now, as a matter of stern fact. I'm going to save all these I I want like a mockumentary. Who do you think would play you in the the mockumentary? I mean, there's any number of women who've managed it thus far, but... uh... Ooh. Oh, I mean, different context. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not talking about... meatloaf still taking phone calls? <laughs> you say meatloaf? Yes. All right, Bob. <laughs> I want him to look just as he did in uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. If I've... Oh, no, I'm not going to say that joke. Never mind. <laughs> I, was gonna... uh... I mean, now you've teased the audience. Yeah, so you, you can't. You've broken not... the cardinal rule of podcasting. Can't say, oh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> trying to think who would play me. And it was just like, insert normal actor's name. But if they were kind of uh, not all there, like maybe if they had a stroke and like the left half of their face was drooped down, like oh. Ryan Gosling after two strokes. <laughs> I thought you were, uh, uh, he usually gets up to 69, if you'll recall. Uh, I thought you were going to say like Leonardo DiCaprio and what's eating Gilbert Grape over prices rule. <laughs> Oh, speaking of reprising roles, did you guys see the amazing, amazing news from the Marvel Universe? about Reveal me. About the Spider-Man 3 casting? Oh, aren't the, all three of them rumored to be there? Yeah, there is strong multiverse vibes getting thrown out there because Doc Ock is coming back. Or what's his name? Alfred? Alfred Molina. Yeah, he's coming back to play Doc Ock. And there are rumors and a buzz that, well, uh, Dunst is coming back, like is cast in. Um, stop trying to talk me out of this movie andrew garfield <laughs> is is cast or at least rumored to be cast and toby mcguire is in talks to be cast Ooh. which is essentially them being like yes there's going to be just a multiverse fuckery of a movie coming up and i'm i i would see it only because i know that since it's the third spider-man in the installment and it has to be the last one because spider-man won't exist past three uh standalone <laughs> installments if history's proven anything well, True. I don't need Dustin Diamond's sleepy cousin to come back as Spider-Man to get me riveted and prepared for another installment. I'm just not... There's going to be it. a director's cut where it's just uh, two MJs giving BJs. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you just lucked out, Tiger. <laughs> uh, can I just say can that I, that I come... roast? <laughs> I'm not sure I want to. Oh, God. <laughs> I haven't seen this many tears since Korea. Uh, 
Uh, I have to say, I am, I'm walking into this podcast with a bit of a heavy heart, in spite of the fact that we have the elation that is our victory against Taco Bell. Oh, no. What Slow, happened? though steady, though it may be. Um, I'm going to speak ill of our Lord and Savior. Uh, I, I just finished Cujo. Oh, yeah. No, that doesn't it's, count. It's a two-star book, in my opinion. I was that upset. It was interminable. Michael, weren't you the one that told us that he forgot that he even wrote that book? Yeah, he forgot how he wrote that mm-hmm. because he was just so loaded on cocaine. Whatever. It probably yeah. wasn't just cocaine. And probably a bunch said of other stuff, yeah. He, he would have greatly benefited from a better editor back there, and that, uh, much like Tommyknockers, there is a decent story rattling around in there, but it's just not that one. And uh, it is... I thought Pet Cemetery did enough to make me loathe the characters from the moment that they, you know, stride onto the page. But dear Lord, this book just made me want to set fire to it the entire time. And is it is it a a, a longer King story or is it kind of like no. Carrie where it was like, I think, isn't Carrie like only like 250 pages or, or it's a very digestible I don't know book. the running time on that, but uh, Cujo was about 384 pages hmm. and it. Would have done really well if it were 184 pages. Like a novella instead? Yes. It was a great short story idea that just he interminably... He has at least two straight chapters of the mother and the son in the car hiding from Cujo and worrying about all of the things conceivably that might happen if they open the door. Fun. Sounds like a lot of filler. Mm. Ooh. It hurt me. I, I finished and turned to Melissa. I was just like, I'm really glad that AA is in existence and that, uh, you know, that van missed long enough for Dr. King to be able to still be penning material because, yipes, that was a that was a tough read. I'm in the similar boat-ish with what I just, I'm just about to finish reading. Um, I almost recommended it to you last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. It's The Only Good Indians. Is the name of the you book. You mentioned, yeah. And overall, it's it's pretty good, but I agree with, like, I what you're saying resonates with my experience right now, where there's a lot where I'm like, why are we spending so much time on this? And also, it does one of the uh, the criminal things, or it's not criminal. It's one of my pet peeves in writing, where there is a significant lack in exposition. So your characters go from literally one locale to another with almost no fanfare. Like, it's like, oh, so we're here now? Oh, yeah, we did the magical thing. Well... You spent like 18 minutes talking about basketball. Couldn't Scene you transition? <laughs> yeah, like 18 minutes talking about basketball. Couldn't you have taken like two minutes to be like, and then we drove in a car and da, 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 da. I don't know. It's it's minor gripes. No, Overall, the story's good. I feel like I'm I'm missing because it's about like Native Americans. Like every it's all set like on the res and and off, like slightly off res. Like I feel like if I had more uh, more ground. Like, if I understood, like, the culture a little more, like, if I understood traditions, like, if I was a little more educated on it, I think a lot more would hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some cool horror tropes in there that I think you would like still. I think it's worth a once-over. I don't think it's a two-star book. I would say it's probably okay. a three. Uh, also, to speak to just how inured we are from having grown up in the great state of Arizona that we will flippantly throw off the res. <laughs> yeah. I, I <laughs> was... Yeah. Having been raised in a close, you know, proximity, I think y- you hear other individuals say it. And uh, but I've had folks actually talk about microaggressions and utilizing the term. He went off the reservation. They address that in the book. 
Okay. So yeah, I, I, it's one of those things where I think just because, you know, we're educating ourselves and expanding our consciousness, having heard it, I was, I, for some reason mentally took you, you to task for that. Oh and, no, but uh, I was meaning like literally like they're on an Indian reservation mm-hmm. and off yes. the Indian reservation. That okay. you, but you called it the res, which to us colloquially sounds perfectly reasonable, oh, but someone who's you gotcha. know living in the upper main might not necessarily be like the res. That's yeah, a little and now, insensitive, you And prick. now someone has clipped it that's not Michael, and they're going to be like, uh-huh. fire this man. <laughs> That'll be the the next Twitter trend, is Gina Carano, John W. We, we want him out. Um, but I feel like you brought one. I don't think that you purely brought it up so that we could Sigourney segue into this. Mm-hmm. But you damn sure did it well. Um, I tried. Speaking of king-related things disappointing you <laughs> to your core um i have I'm, I'm i'm just gonna finish it out of spite at this point but i'm watching the hulu version of 11 uh and it is atrocious if you've read the book and then watch the show there is almost nothing to do with with the other like they took they cherry-picked the weirdest things to keep in mm-hmm. um, and then everything else is different they added a character they added a sidekick. Are you yep. fucking kidding me? I what? believe this was yeah. part of my my previous begrudging the point about how much I hated that thing where I said they had to they felt the need to inject a secondary quote unquote everyman character to allow him to explain in sort of like expository passages to the other person about why this has great importance. And it yeah, it takes the um the character that you encounter in Derry who is uh i forget his name presently but the the one who sidetracks him behind the house and tries to stop him from killing the the father uh i don't know if it was billy but i think it was something close but no no i think it was billy because Mm. it brought to mind um oh goodness the sequel to the shining i'm forgetting dr sleep Mm. uh and the kind of sidekick that's there that also a billy or something similar yes 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 very very similar vibes to that king does enjoy utilizing the same names and sort of just throwing them in the tumble jar but yes so they use him and instead of being an old man who has a heart attack they change him into like a teenager yeah who somehow you know gets wise to what mr jake epping is doing back here in the past and asks to come along on the journey yeah within the first episode uh, he flat out goes, yeah, why are you doing this? Like, well, I'm from the future. Like, he just drops it like, like, like oh. it's fucking nut. Like, it's fucking mm-hmm. so stupid. The butterfly um, effect be damned. I had to remember why that he, why they made him a kid and because they completely took out the whole, why was he in Derry in the first exist. place? Yeah. He, okay, he doesn't okay, go okay. to Derry technically, if I remember No, he correctly. does not go to Derry. He goes to Kentucky. some more interesting parts. It was, it was. It was because uh-huh. it was well, an furthermore. outsider view of Derry uh, right after the you know what happened with it and well, it's someone who yeah, like I've said not to steal John's point and I'll let you talk my friend I'm sorry I oh, steamrolled but we we started on this in our Facebook conversation it's someone who just absolutely essentially does not understand the King verse or the story itself and just read the elevator pitch of ooh it's a guy who goes back in time to save kennedy that would be a fun thing and yeah. then like breezed through the book and just retained bits and pieces and decided i can cobble together a really fun story with this fuck you james franco you are not that creative my friend because you did not manage to make that thing one 
iota better and you just turned it into a like silly bit of pablum that mindless mouth breathers who are dragging their knuckles right now might watch for five minutes yeah it's uh he took the main character i think adding the uh the sidekick villainizes the main character like Mm -hmm. i fucking hate james franco's character in in the show so much like he is such a colossal prick yeah and in the book he the main character like the protagonist comes off as an everyman hero you know Mm -hmm. like uh you know i don't know that's that's all i really got a sympathetic character because he's out of time He's, he's just completely, you know, like against all odds trying to do something that he wasn't even 100% sure on to begin with. And like I said, the fulcrum of the whole story to me was the fact that, one, he was endeared to Harry Dunning enough to want to go and change him and help impact his life because his life had an emotional impact on him. And then Al manages to kind of manipulate or coerce him by saying, it's your duty to the country. And in the show, they make Al just a loudmouthed asshole who's like, fuck you, I got cancer. You got to go fix it because oh, I can't. Speaking like, of just lack an of... absolute ass. Speaking of lack of exposition, there is weird exposition in the show where I think Al in the first episode, like his pitch to go back to the past, like lasts probably maybe like five minutes or Mm -hmm. that's exaggerating, but it's a very short amount of time in the pilot. And then throughout the series so far, if they ever need to explain something to you, they flash back to a conversation that he's having with Al that they never even alluded to having happened. Mm-hmm. In the show, essentially, in the pilot, it's like, he has a disagreement, Al comes back fucking aged and cancer-ridden, and then Jake's like, yeah, I don't think I can fucking do this, and then the next scene, Al's dead. And he's like, well, maybe now I should do it. And that's all there is. There's no big yeah. heart-to-heart with Al, there's just, you know, fuck it. And they steal that somewhat from the story in that he begins to having read Al's notebook and entertains so much of the history that Al wrote that he feels like he begins to talk to Al in his head. Which is a cool and device. Conversations. But, it, you know, he's not literally saying, I spent 18 hours with him straight where he downloaded all this stuff. And now I have just instantaneous photo recollection of everything he ever said to me. Which is how it comes off. Yes, yeah. it's it's really horrible. It's difficult to wrap your head around. There are really great moments with he and Sadie that are touching, but they don't come nearly anywhere close to how great the story is because you're not invested in the characters at all. It's just, oh, well, there's a couple of, you know, attractive people that are falling for each other in s- the midst of this nonsense. I was say, the, the one positive that I'll give the show is that I enjoy seeing who they cast as mm-hmm. as characters, so... On my reread of the book, um, Sadie, uh, the actress that plays Sadie, is gorgeous. Yes, just a knockout. So it'll it'll, mm-hmm. it'll be nice for like a a nice mental for the next time I'm reading the book for the fappening. Oh, for yes. the fappening, yes, on the toilet. Uh, yeah, sorrow. Um, but yeah, that was the Stephen King science corner. Mm-hmm. Um, if we haven't disabused you of the notion that you need to watch this just to hate, fuck it, Michael. Uh, you know, I'll let me try harder. I I did have a thought that I I wanted to just bring up. Um, because the way that you were describing how they took the source material and kind of like twisted it to their own ends, not necessarily to change it to deliver it, but just like the blandness. Mm-hmm. Almost. Uh, what what did you say? I th- at one point I think you may have used the term milk milk toast. Pab- I- pablum. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Dog. Um, it reminded me of uh, a great YouTube video that I saw a while ago that was uh, all ta- that was talking about Disney and adapting darker 
uh, folk like tales? folk yeah. folk tales, yeah, and then turning it into you know a bright, shiny, loving, caring, everybody's happy. I.e., Pocahontas. Yes, that's the best example I can think of right now. But most of the other stories that they adapt, like I think, like Cinderella is a lot more dark. Mm. Um, oh, Little Mermaid's fucked up, isn't it? That oh yeah, that Very. one, that one too. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just like if if it's if it's a um, Hans Christensen. I, Hans I, Christian Andersen. Ah, that, I was close. Yeah. Two out of three. Um, Man, I am so fucking lost. Uh, he he wrote a lot of the stories that Disney kind of were like, eh, and we're going to take these and adapt them and put our copyright on them. So Because we want some. people to leave feeling fulfilled and happy, and we can't talk about time travel, or we can't really talk about alternate realities or string theory, because that's just going to scare people. Yeah, you can't yeah. talk about quantum narration. <laughs> I'll give you an A for effort there. <laughs> we haven't, so that is a, a, we haven't triggered him with see. quantum in a long that, time. I do want to try and think about quantum narration, where you aren't sure if the, act, <laughs> if, the, if the narrator actually said it or not. It's almost like retconning. Like, did they actually say that back then? So it's oh, Christopher Nolan behind a, a keyboard. <laughs> or people saying, Luke, I am your father. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. It's it's the Nelson effect. Did they really say Thank it? You. Quant- yeah, there we Our, go. I like there that. is actually a film called The Mandela Effect that is on Hulu right now that I saw as oh. I was scrolling through material today. And I chuckled at myself. I was like, oh, well, uh, Simpsons did it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, before we get into the episode proper, um, mm-hmm. because I couldn't think of a good segue to this, uh, a little update on the, the Utah monolith. Yeah. I kind of had to force that monolith in there. It's important to do. What yes. a monolithic thing to do. Yes. Michael's got monolith. Uh, That's what we're saying. He's going to need to take some time away from the show. Yes. It it sucks. Anyway, the sucking disease. Yes, that's so. What we, there was a good old sucking fuck. I won't talk about all the various monoliths that have popped up, except for the the one that popped up. I think the day of recording. <laughs> you are turning me on so much right now. Hey, wait, oh, yeah. Richard. Richard Holder's back. Yeah, um, uh, Richard Holder so here. The <laughs> the third monolith <laughs> popped up somewhere in California, in my uh, pants. and it was <laughs> it was torn down. And I'll say the t- I'll, I'll, I'm going to read the title of the Vice article that I pulled this from. You can manage mm-hmm. Mysterious Monolith Update. Racists destroy California monolith, proclaim Christ superior to space aliens. What? <laughs> what? So, All right. The, the monolith that sprang up in California was actually taken down during a live stream um, by a group of right-wing young men. Um, let's see, they ch- chanted things like, uh, America first, crisis king. I've totally had sex um, before. <laughs> they called part of the, some, one of them called part of the monolith construction, uh, air quotes, gay. Um, they also, once they tore oh, down the monolith, man. they replaced it with a wooden cross. Uh, another person in the video says, Christ is king in this country. We don't want illegal aliens from Mexico or outer space. What if, uh, so let's tear this hell. bitch down. What would they do? What do you think they would do if a monolith cross appeared? Praise it. Probably. Well, you know, maybe go to war with some countries over it. Ah, there you go. It, Just say but, it's filled uh, with oil. If They'll you mention that uh, we don't worship false idols unless you're a Slytherin hat, then you might get some people really incensed. Ooh-wee. <laughs> um, oh, wait. Contemplating sorry, Michael, if continue. those pursue okay, so the people were kind of like chewed out on social media and stuff like that, and they claimed that it was Antifa trying to track them down. So, yeah, there you go. Um, 
speaking of, they actually so there are there is a group that has come forward as the you know progenitors of the monoliths. Mm. Um, and I will read this. Is it article. moms against drunk driving? Tell me it's moms against drunk <sighs> that driving. That would be so beautiful. I don't know why, but that I, that would just be amazing. <laughs> Um, so it's a group of stunt artists under the collective label of the most famous artist. Are we having lies in this segment? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, that's what they're called. <sighs> um, by, uh, the founder is a guy named Matty Moe. I had another article that said he did some other thing that was super, some other big art installation that was super important. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't that important to me. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so they are selling monoliths for $45,000. So they will set them up where if you pay them, they'll set it up wherever you want them to. That's like a quarter of one of our royalty checks from Taco Bell. Y- we you- don't want it. We can't discuss that. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's I, important. Sorry, to keep guys. Under you mean in our fight wraps. against Taco Bell, right? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> yes, and then they've they've popped up uh, in a couple of other places like England, uh, I think somewhere in El Paso and elsewhere. But since we have someone that's taking one pop up in my bathroom, exactly that that great picture that you showed um, with uh, oh, I did hunt. I did share that with you guys, right? Yes. Will you put so, that in the show notes? Will you find a way? I uh, life uh, life finds a way. Yeah, I can. <laughs> or do we that. could just show Chilean it on the after bass, I believe. Yes. <laughs> But essentially, to, to sum it up, um, a group has taken, you know, they, they've said that they, they allegedly credit. do it. Yeah, they took yes. credit. Yes. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of them has sprung up since, probably because they've been selling those monoliths for $45,000. You can say pop-up. It's fine. We're okay with it. It actually one sprung up next to that Austin uh, taco pop-up uh, last night. Thank Quab. Yes. So that was the update. I just wanted to say that as kind of like a closure. And that happened this. almost like the moment we closed our laptops last week mm-hmm. it was almost like immediately like fuck another one popped up like almost yeah, was it was California the same one. night for sure mm-hmm. yeah so much so that uh, we are now going to change the title of this podcast from disinformed to monoliths and mexican pizzas yeah i mean if, if only... you if you had to give a, a subtitle to season two's arc i think monoliths and mexican pizzas would fit Yes, Quite that's going to be our uh, the transcription book oh. we release, a la Night Vale. And lest we forget, alcohol. <laughs> when you consume oh. alcohol, <laughs> your liver deteriorates. Okay, that's. Uh, I, I've actually decided I like your bit, but I'm going to co-opt it and say Walton Groggins and the Hulk had a baby. Oh, did we say that on uh, on air? No, we did not, but we're just going to leave it alone and let people <laughs> okay. try to interpret right. on their own. Like, uh, good folks and, and perpetual listeners like uh, Melissa will, will know because she got exposed to it when I had to explain why I was cackling like a small child as I left recording last week. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I, I have it's, a surprise for you guys down, down the road here. Oh, so okay. Not, All right. Well, it the might Toxic not be, Avenger may make a, a, a reappearance. Yeah, it might not be tonight, but uh, I definitely I definitely got something for you guys. Oh, goody. Remix. Well, speaking of things that uh, you thought had gone away and are going to bring themselves right back in. Herpes. Uh, sure. There's going to be the occasional hole in the show, and there is occasionally holes in human anatomy, which is what <gasps> this week's topic is going to delve in and through and right back out again. 
So for those who are uninitiated, what we typically do here is we delve into a random esoteric topic and explain it to one another. But in the course of divulging what it is that the history surrounding this weird topic, we will leaven in the occasional lie just to make things interesting. And it is incumbent on the co-hosts to then, I'm talking to the camera as though there are people watching other than us. You're in character. I don't know why. I'm trying to, you know, I'm too used to the YouTube thing. Uh, so. It is incumbent upon the co-hosts to call out the lies in situ because that's the whole premise of the show. However, even if they get it right, the points do not count and no one wins because we are all avowed losers. And we know this. this is Amen. Indeed. Thank you. Or so this week we will be discussing Phineas Gage, or as I like to call him, Joe Gage. Can can I just go ahead and say that I'm really offended there that I left you guys a really, really awesome Orson Scott card reference and nobody said anything about it? I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. I, I but hail Stan. Yes. Michael said Rama and I said Orverelsa or Verelsi or, you know. The thing. I mean, it helps if you don't mumble it, but. <laughs> I also haven't read cards <laughs> since high school, so I, I can't really help you there. Never mind. There's some uber, uber nerds. <laughs> uber nerds. There's some uber nerds there that, uh, that aren't even listening to the show. Anyway, Phineas There's Gage. Like 0.1% uh, of our listenership probably understood that reference. Thank John you, listener the, in Romania. Uh, John is the speaker for the dead joke. <laughs> yes, that is who I am. <laughs> yes! I don't have that title anymore. Been living in uh, Ender's shadow here. All right. Can I commit genocide? You can try. <laughs> well, that you've only had children of the mind. Daddy was not my daddy. Oh, daddy, that's not Touché. my daddy. In the shadow of the giant here. Okay. Oh. Let's see if we can get all of them rolled in into one set. The shadow of the hegemon as well. That's we're all just completely absorbed by it. Well, thank you Fuck for sticking me. it out, Courtney. We appreciate you listening to the show. We love you and we're happy that you're here. Melissa, I'm sorry. I'll be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> so, I will start by indicating to you lovely gentlemen that unlike my prior episodes, this one is going to be a little easier. There are only five lies. Bullshit. You're welcome. <laughs> so, are we prepared to dive into this numbskull nonsense? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> how many How many puns Not... do you have in there? So many. Yes. Uh, to be honest, it? John, neither was he. <laughs> he okay. was definitely not ready. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, so Phineas P. Gage was an American railroad construction foreman remembered for his improbable survival of an accident wherein a large iron rod was driven completely through his head, destroying much of his brain's left frontal lobe, and subsequently for that injury's reported effects on his personality and behavior over the remaining 12 years of his life. Effects sufficiently profound, for a time at least, that friends saw him as quote-unquote no longer Gage. So before the accident, he listened to Nickelback, and then after the accident, he listened to Five Finger Death Punch. You know what's funny is you say that, I actually owe Nickelback something. Hmm. You're going to derail me already. Um, they had Shit. their like live from home DVD. I think that I'm alluding to the Evanescence title. I don't remember what it is, but they did a show in Canada. They covered 
a song by a band that I later came to love called Big Wreck. Oh. And that was my first exposure because Big Wreck is a Canadian national band, basically. They're well heralded up north, but they weren't really well known down here. But it was through Chad Kroger performing the song Mistake. I was like, holy hell, that's a really great song. There's and no I way he invested. wrote it. So, exactly. <laughs> so it was through Nickelback that I got turned on to Big Wreck, which is one of my, you know, at least top 10, if not, you know, top five bands presently. So hell yeah. I have so, to give a little attribution where it's due. They also had Jerry Cantrell on that. They did uh, Alice in Chains' It Ain't Like That on that show. So they at I least have good song. taste outside of their own music. They they did start out as a cover band, so... Okay, you know. so, so you could say that a, a hero could save you. Well, I'm not going to just off, stand Michael. there and wait. <laughs> Thank you. Michael Thank likes you. his pants around his feet, apparently. But well, uh, my name is Mr. Richard Holder. If uh, you pull down my pants, there's just a big old calculator down there. And Michael starts out every one of his classes by, Look at this graph. <laughs> Becky, without any provocation, I was walking downstairs. uh, It's like May coffee in the morning, and I was about to walk through our like the gate into the living room. And she goes, "Look at this pug I have. Every time I do, it makes me laugh." (laughs) And it fucking it got me so good. (laughs) We all just want to be a big rock star. Okay, (laughs) gotta call Logan. Long known as the American crowbar case. Once termed a modern no, miracle. That's, that's bullshit. It wasn't a crowbar. It was called the American Crowbar Case. What? Yeah, you fucking yep. nerd. I'll, I'll get to it, but uh, yes, that's... It once termed a modern miracle in a wonderless age, Phineas Gage influenced 19th century discussion about the mind and brain, particularly debate on cerebral localization, and was perhaps the first case to suggest the brain's role in determining personality as well as fuel speculation that damage to specific parts of the brain might induce specific mental changes. Hmm. Are y'all with me here? Yes. Yes. Brain damage might make you a different person. This is often broached when people are talking about serial killers. Uh, And so a subject that I discussed previously and something I found very interesting is there are any number of killers that took short, sharp shocks to the head, and they felt that some sort of concussive... Uh, trauma might be similar to this. So uh, the Chris Benoit case as well for uh, the chronic encephalopathy and things like that. So there's a lot of things that uh, this starts as kind of the galvanizing point for discussion. Um, yeah, you hear that all, about, uh, not all the time, but go ahead. Brain damage. Uh, I was going to say, is there a connection between like his case and like the development of lobotomies? I can't say that because I've, I'm fairly certain they were probably lobotomizing people prior to the 1800s. But. Uh, I don't think so. It's actually Listen, guys, more I invented re- lobotomies, and I know when they happen. I'll allow you to research that, Michael. You can tell me when they first developed the full frontal lobotomy. What the okay. listeners couldn't see was I got an authentic Michael grimace of "fuck you." I'm going to strangle you through the fucking computer face. Which it was, I, yeah, it was a legit grimace because he went rubble rubble right after. I think I triggered him, and he thought I was one of his students for a second. Like they were trying to like talk back to him, and he was gonna give. Don't him, contradict me. He was like, "Once we get back to in person learning again, I'm gonna give you a tuning fork, you fucking silly sack of shit." I I only asked be- uh, not about any of this because I I was ignoring it, but lobotomies. I recently watched a show on Netflix called Ratched Ratched. Okay. Um. It's, oh, I need to watch that. 
it's really good. It's based off of the the nurse uh, that one was in flew One over Flew the Cuckoo's Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Yes, yes, which yes. I've never seen. Re- really, mm, or I've read. never read it. It's it's an interesting. Uh, the Casey book is fun, but uh, the the film's not bad. Okay. Hmm. Well, yeah. sorry for the derailing there. Let's That's get what back we're here to the American for, my crowbar. Uh, again, this is it's it's as per usual. Shane chooses the text heavy topics, so I intersperse all of the discussion as you want. We'll we'll try to keep this interesting. Hey, as long as you don't have to be children stabbing each other, I think you can't do any worse than me. Well, we are going to get a little graphic this week, so I should <gasps> preface that going forward. Are there you will have be some trigger? discussion. I mean, I'm giving it right now and essentially saying there will be some graphic depictions of people dealing with internal anatomy at some point later on because this gentleman does get his, bla- his brains blown out. His brains. And it's yes, not the Pornhub channel that I found. No, this week. sadly. It's a different All kind right. of Pornhub? Okay. <sighs> and depression, so, if you remember. Please. End me, Michael. <laughs> so Gage is a fixture in the curricula of neurology, psychology, and neuroscience, one of the great medical curiosities of all time, and a living part of medical folklore. Frequently mentioned in books and scientific papers, he even has a minor place in popular culture. Despite this celebrity, the body of established fact about Gage and what he was like, whether before or after the injury, is small, which has allowed the fitting of almost any theory desired to the small number of facts we have. Gage acting as a Rorschach inkblot, in which proponents of various conflicting theories of the brain all saw support for their views. So essentially everybody just sort of attributes things that they want to, and then make up a story about his behavior to justify what their stance is. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Which is fun. So historically published accounts of Gage, including scientific ones, have almost always severely exaggerated and distorted his behavioral changes, frequently contradicting the known facts. So apparently the books were all written by the Trump administration. Ooh. Get him, Dad. I mean, he just, they just didn't want to cause a panic with Gage. Get him, Gage, Daddy. Gage. That's not my daddy. Gage. Gage. So it is Joe Gage's cousin, Phineas. Gage. All right, so, a report of Gage's physical and mental condition shortly before his death implies that his most serious mental changes were temporary, so that in later life he was far more functional and socially far better adapted, and that the years immediately following his accident were kind of an anomaly in and of themselves. Disorientation would likely be somewhat uh, inherent to the fact that you got a giant metal rod shoved through your head. Well, we're presupposing. I know there is a channel on Pornhub that we have seen where John has researched this uh, yeah. terminally. Yep. <clears throat> uh, drill sounding. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that is a different kind of rod, my friend. Oh, which a, I a got s- to describe to Michael when I saw him, and it uh, disgusted oh. him thoroughly. So that was Well, we're not great. including that on the podcast because I refuse to drive off the two listeners that are still here. So let's we'll right. just keep this okay, going. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. <laughs> In 1848, Gage, who is 25, was the foreman of a crew cutting a railroad bed in Cavendish, Vermont. On September the 13th, as he was using a tamping iron to pack explosive powder into a hole, that's what she said, uh, the powder detonated. That's what she said. Sometimes you just can't control that sort of thing. Don't you hate it when your powder detonates early? Uh, I always do. It's terrible. 
happens frequently. Uh, the tamping iron, 43 inches long, 1.25 inches in diameter, and weighing 13.25 pounds. Jesus. Just to give you an idea of what was, you know, just flying towards his brain. That's a thick rod. And how. There we go. Uh, shot skyward, penetrated Gage's left cheek, ripped into his brain, and exited through the back of his skull, landing several dozen feet away. Uh, though blinded in his left eye, he might not even have lost consciousness. And he remained savvy enough to speak to the attendant doctor as he approached, and saying, I have never considered myself a devout man, but the Lord has certainly proven his divinity to me this day. It was a fair point, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> you just got a giant piece of metal shoved through your skull. Yeah, you might have faith in God it's afterwards. The first thing is that I can't see. Yeah, it's just a flesh wound. I can't see through my left eye, but you know what? I didn't need that anyway. I'll right, take well, a walk. You know, yeah, blind in one eye, can't see out the other. That's that's where we're at. You saw uh, half of it. He is not ghost dog. <laughs> I will thank you. <laughs> So, despite 19th century references to Gage as the American crowbar case, to Michael's previous point, the tamping iron does not have a bend or claw sometimes associated with a crowbar. Rather, it was simply a pointed cylinder, something like a javelin, which was round and fairly smooth. There are depictions. I don't need to go into that, but just to say it was not actually a crowbar-like substance, or it would not have gone through his skull. <laughs> that would have dragged his head his off his shoulders. <laughs> He's just holding the top of his head in his left hand yes. he's like I'm fine <laughs> it's like death becomes her you know just knock the skull completely back away yeah. from the body and just walking around with the, the headless horseman vibe yeah so Gage's initial survival would have ensured him a measure of celebrity on its own, but his name was etched into history by observations made by John Martin Harlow the doctor who treated him for a few months afterwards. Gage's friends found him as no longer Gage according to Harlow the balance between his intellectual faculties and animal propensities seemed gone. Like John Watkins before him, he could not stick to plans, he uttered the grossest profanity, and showed little deference for his fellows. And nudie clips to his friends without asking permission. <laughs> he used the term sounding infrequently previously and then just began to vomit it constantly and then he said have you ever had poutine <laughs> and tit cup titty pig the railroad construction company that employed him which had thought him a model foreman refused to take him back so insult to injury uh back in the day before we got punitive about things like this uh, that's an on-the-job injury. Now, granted, probably his own fault, but still, you wish that you had retained some sort of an attorney. Uh, Gage went to work at a stable in New Hampshire, because <laughs> you want him around horses after you've had a metal rod driven through your skull. Right. And then eventually drove coaches in Chile, uh, joining relatives in San Francisco eventually, where he died in May of 1860 at the age of 36, following a series of seizures. Michael, he you have questions. He went to Chile? Yes, he went to Chile and drove coaches. That was where was he spent bullshit? the bulk of his time. No, 
strangely really? enough. Yeah, that was uh, where he held – they said he actually – that was the primary contribution to what likely got him back on a regimented schedule is he could just drive the coach. And huh. being structured like that helped to kind of uh, reset his brain functionality huh. is what they're supposing. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes you have to travel abroad when you've had a hole through the skull. That sounds like a good cure. Yeah. You need that job like you need another hole through the head. <laughs> Anywho. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Upon having Gage brought into his care, and here's where we'll, we'll start getting a little graphic here, friends and neighbors. Uh, Harlow shaved the scalp around the region of the tamping irons exit, then removed coagulated blood, small bone fragments, and an ounce or more of protruding brain, which sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I'd say uh, that's way too much brain. You would think, but wait, there's more. <laughs> After probing for foreign bodies and replacing two large detached pieces of bone, Harlow then closed the wound with adhesive straps, leaving it partially open for drainage. Fair. I mean, that's your yes. want to do. Uh, the entrance wound... In the cheek was bandaged only loosely, for the same reason. A wet compress was applied, then a nightcap, and then further bandaging to secure these dressings. This sounds like the worst version of a Christmas tale that I have ever encountered in my life. And how? Yeah, I thought I thought you meant like he gave him a nightcap and told him to like sleep it off or something. If only. <laughs> Here's a cold compress. Go take a she and her nightgown. Go to sleep. I and my cap <laughs> settled down to poke my brain back into my fucking skull. <sighs> Settled down for a long winter's fap. Uh <laughs> <laughs> ho, ho, hoes. Oh, Michael, you yes. got your one joke per month. Uh, hey, he's above the quota right now. I'm impressed. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Harlow also dressed Gage's hands and forearms, uh, which along his face had been deeply burned. Oh, yeah. Explosives, yeah. ordered that Gage's head be kept elevated. Much like the elephant man before him, apparently. Right. Uh, late that evening, uh, Harlow noted, Mind clear. Constant agitation of his legs, being alternately retracted and extended, says he does not care to see his friends and shall be back at work in a few days. Sounds like me. <laughs> I was going to say, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Wait, so no, it's not. It's Wednesday. Me, it's any any other day. Huh? Despite this optimism, Gage's convalescence was, in fact, a long, difficult, and uneven one. Uh, though recognizing his mother and uncle, summoned from Lebanon, New Hampshire, some 500 miles away, on the morning after the accident, on the second day, he lost control of his mind and became decidedly delirious. By the fourth day, he was again rational, knows his friends, and after a week's further improvement, Harlow entertained, for the first time, the thought that it was possible for Gage to recover. This improvement, however, was of short duration. Uh, beginning 12 days after the accident, Gage was semi-comatose, seldom speaking unless spoken to, and then answering only in monosyllables. So this is most certainly me on Wednesdays. Uh, and then on the 13th day, Harlow noted, failing strength, coma deepened, the globe of the left eye became more protuberant with a fungus or deteriorated infected tissue, nay, necrotic, pushing out rapidly from the wounded brain and coming out the top of the head. Hot. 
You beat me to it. Yeah. There is a fungus among us. Probably smelled pretty good. Oh, I am sure. Uh, And then the 14th day, the exhalations from the mouth and head were horribly fetid. Comatose, but will answer in monosyllables if aroused. Mm. Mm -hmm. I have an idea. Yes. This is that Pornhub nursing, apparently. Oh, your big dumb balls are too full. <laughs> let's let's help get that and drain your brain. <laughs> Milk me. Uh, Wrong head, nurse. <laughs> he uh, he will not take nourishment unless strongly urged. Mm-hmm. Please uh, take it. And then the friends and attendants are in hourly expectancy of his death and have his coffin and clothes in readiness. So. He's walking around conscious and actually able to carry on a conversation with a giant hole in his skull and brain. And then two weeks later, they're like, nah, he's dead. He's starting to smell. There's stuff protruding from his skull. The weirdest thing about this to me is that I can almost guarantee that even with all that going on, if someone were to tell him or were to have told him like, hey, there's this like pandemic happening right now. And, you know, you need to wear a mask because it's going to protect others. It's nothing. It's not for you. It's for, it's to, it's to be courteous to others. I think he would still, with a giant hole in his fucking face, still wear a mask. Well, I have met many an individual also in possession of a giant hole in their fucking face. And they have a problem with it, strangely enough. So I'm not sure. That may strain credulity too much, John. Oh, sorry. With all these fanciful ideas. I, I also feel that he would have been even more shocked if you said, you know what, in uh, in a few hundred years, they're going to try to take the Mexican pizza away from Taco Bell. <laughs> and he would have said, and, can we can we try that explosion again? It missed the important parts. <laughs> <laughs> My mouth is still intact and it will long for the meaty and beefy beautiful. I don't fucking beautiful. live in a world that exists that will eventually get rid of the Mexican pizza. So just fucking end yep. it. Well, lucky end for me. you. There is a recipe for the Mexican pizza in the show notes, so you can make your own and save yourself. Did you know that cocoa powder is a, a part of the recipe? Yeah, it's the most important oh. part. Yeah, I was I was shocked. I did I not imagine. I always figured their meat was very chocolatey. Dirty, okay. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, speaking of uh, chocolatey meat, <laughs> galvanized to action, Harlow cut off the fungi, which were sprouting out from the top of the brain and filling the opening, Yum. and made free application of caustic silver nitrate to them. So apparently he thought he was a werewolf. Uh, with a scalpel, he laid open the uh, frontalis muscle uh, from the exit wound down to the top of the nose, and immediately there were discharged eight ounces of ill-conditioned pus with blood and excessively fetid. Mm. I know what you're thinking. Do you? (laughs) Yes. Where's my Mexican pizza? Thank you, uh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, man. I just, as I was reading this, I thought eight ounces of pus. That's a lot of... And they didn't notice that his face was, like, swollen or any of that shit? I'm sure they did. I just don't think that they had taken into account that there would be that much that was accumulating there. Now, the listeners are... It's still coming. The listeners aren't going to see this, but I'm going to hold up my pint glass here. Uh And this line, uh, there's this this black line. That Mm -hmm, is 16 ounces. So half half of that, that's a lot of fucking pus. That is a ridiculous quantity. So to imagine... I was more shocked and marveled by the wonder of the human anatomy that this person would be able to sustain a wound like that and still be alive, and the body, through sheer force of will, 
is actually, you know, exuding all of these things from it. Like, it, hooray for pus. We all think it's disgusting, but it does serve a really wonderful purpose. So oh, welcome yeah, yeah, to yeah. the Bill Nye Science Corner. It tastes great on eggs. And in your anus. Where do you think I get the pus? Bill, 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 Bill. I thought Frank was helping. You already, but, yeah. you already gave a trigger warning, so we can be as gross as we want. Exactly. <laughs> we got to lean into it a little bit. So, uh, so, needless to say, it's very lucky that Gage encountered <laughs> Doctor Harlow when he did. Otherwise, the man would have just turned into a giant pimple, and no one would have been able to save him. But uh, there were very few doctors in 1848 who would have had the experience with cerebral abscess with which Harlow left Jefferson Medical College, which probably saved Gage's life. Huh. Uh, long story short, too bloody late, he, uh, he eventually mostly recovered, and though he was left with a slight impairment of his memory, small enough that a stranger would have no notice of it. So he would still be able to remember faces, he would be able to carry on conversations, he had, you know, some short-term memory damage, I'm sure, for those who saw the film Memento, for the Nolan fangs amongst us, you know, he probably had to make a lot of notes, I'm sure, if he wanted to keep track of things, right. but, or tattoos. Well. Oh, now. In time, Gage became the most famous patient in the annals of neuroscience because his case was the first to suggest a link between brain trauma and personality change. Uh, in his book, An Odd Kind of Fame, Stories of Phineas Gage, it's a catchy title. Is that bullshit? The university, no. Okay. Sadly, no. Uh, the University of Melbourne's Malcolm Macmillan writes that two thirds of the introductory psychology textbooks mention Gage. Hmm? Two, okay, there has to be bullshit somewhere in there. Not a single ounce of it. So he. I is, got really suspicious with the Melbourne's Melbourne well, Melon Macmillan. Do you not trust folks from Australia, Michael? No. Because the United States is just as much a prison colony. Hey, I hate hey, to hey, 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 Michael. I wasn't going to say that. Don't piss off the three listeners in Australia like that, you piece of shit. Hey, 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 Aust Australian folks, this is for you. Michael. Hey, Michael. 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 Hey, I, hey. I'm listening. I, I'm literally recording this podcast, which means I'm listening to you through my my headset. Right, so, yes, what would, you, what would you like to say? Yes. You're a cunt. Oh, okay. I do want to apologize to Liam because I know that he's listened to this podcast before and he's the only and person. You do I trust him, you, so. don't you? Don't you? He, he did send us uh, candy when I moved into my new <gasps> house and uh, it didn't kill us. So, yeah, I'd say I trust him. I will also well. say Australian licorice, greatest licorice on the planet. No argument here. And Liam, mind the drop bears. Moving on. The Australians will know. It's a fun joke. All right. Uh, All you Australians out there. Indeed. I come from the land down under. Uh, even today, <laughs> Gage's skull, the tamping iron, and mask of his face wa made while he was alive are the most sought-out items at the Warren Atomical Mu and no, the Warren Anatomical Museum on the Harvard Medical School campus. Here we go into the nitty-gritty and the final bit of nonsense for this glorious yep. topic, gentlemen. We also have not caught a single fucking lie. Well, uh, it is fairly dense. I will admit there are, I think, um, three that have bypassed presently. Okay. Okay. So you have a couple more you can catch on the back end, just to prime you. Regarding the changes in Gage's behavior, Harlow's 1848 report 
published just as Gage was emerging from his convalescence and the giant pus-filled brain that he had, merely hinted at psychological symptoms. So, in truth, uh, Harlow states, The mental manifestations of the patient I reserve to a future communication. I think the case is exceedingly interesting to the enlightened physiologist and intellectual philosopher. To say that there is no difference in his mental manifestations after his recovery is not true. He was gross, profane, coarse, and vulgar to such a degree that his society was intolerable to decent people. So he would have fit in perfectly as a co-host to this podcast. Oh, absolutely. Ooh. No question. Consequently, Macmillan's analysis of scientific and popular accounts of Gage found that they almost always distort and exaggerate his behavioral changes well beyond anything described by anyone who had direct contact with him. He concludes that the known facts are inconsistent with the common view of Gage as a boastful, brawling, foul-mouthed, dishonest, useless drifter, unable to hold down a job who died penniless in an institution. Not true, as we've discovered, he held jobs all the way up until his death, so he was still functioning uh, decently enough to live in polite society afterwards. Uh, most commentators still rely on hearsay and accept what others have said about Gage, namely that after the accident, he became a psychopath. So here are some of the... Ooh, we can go into... There's uh, plenty of stuff about his uh, post-recovery, and uh, he still supported himself throughout. He had two different jobs. Uh, early 1851, just before his death uh, to 1860, he was constantly employed, so he wasn't completely lost and just functioning as a derelict here. His other behaviors ascribed by various sources to the post-accident gauge that are either unsupported by or in contradiction to known facts include the following... Congratulations, it's a list, so you can start swinging. Oh, goodness. Mistreatment of his wife and children, though Gage actually had neither. (laughs) Inappropriate sexual behavior, promiscuity, or bestial carnality. A lack of forethought, concern... Bullshit? Did they actually think that he fucked animals? I I mean, to say bestial carnality would mean that he, you know, had hungers, not that he just fucked creatures. Way to sell out of your own pocket. I misheard that. I didn't say bestiality, but uh, I mean... Oh, look at my... Oh, the spaghetti. It was bullshit, uh, though, so I mean, you were on the right path, so... Oh, okay, cool. I did add bestial carnality was a a Shane phrase, so you're welcome. You did guess that, but no, it wasn't bestiality. Yeah, Uh, not with that attitude. (laughs) Indeed. He needed the hole through the right side, not the left side. Here's where we insert other bad joke from Shane. Yeah, my wife and I do it doggy style, which means that I sit up and beg and she rolls over and plays dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's like looking into the Clark household. Yeah, yeah, well. She's not dead yet. That's why you haven't had sex with her. (laughs) My friend Dahmer Ah. over here. So... Uh, tasty tasty that was insensitive of me to say <laughs> it was more for me to say that it's okay Des- uh, destiny will hear these episodes in approximately like three never years, yeah, yeah we all she's know like, you're a necrophiliac we've been down this road she told me she's like i listened to the first eight episodes i'm like cool we we have more than that now 69 now <laughs> going nice. on 70 all right a lack of forethought, <laughs> concern for the future, or capacity for embarrassment. So definitely, again, good co-host. Uh, yeah. Parading his self-misery and vainglory in, in showing his wounds, 
often running objects through the hole in his head to amuse onlookers. That one's bullshit. You're welcome. That sounds like something you would do. (laughs) If only I could. Um, It's not too late. Yeah, the, the, it's sealed up eventually, right? They they had to oh, seal yeah, it. Oh, yeah, they sealed it yeah, <laughs> yeah, long I'm like, before then. I, I wanted to give you one or two layups here, gentlemen. I mean, come on. That's why you winked. And it's funny. So, uh, gambling himself into emotional and reputational bankruptcy, uh, irresponsibility, untrustworthiness, aggressiveness, and violence, uh, vagrancy, begging, drifting, drinking, A.K.A. he was a musician. Yeah. Uh, And then living as a layabout or a boorish mess. There were another 20 of these, but I pared it down to the ones that were the most fun to read for me, at the very least. Well, bless you for doing so. Fair enough. Uh, None of these behaviors is mentioned by anyone who had met Gage or even his family, and as a... Kotowitz, which I uh, did not allude Bless to you. previously, uh, had put it, Harlow does not report a single act that Gage should have been ashamed of. Nonetheless, the telling of Gage's story has increased interest in understanding the enigmatic role that the frontal lobes play in behavior and personality. And Raitu has said that in teaching about the frontal lobes, an anecdote about Gage is like an ace up your sleeve. It's just like whenever you talk about the French Revolution, you talk about the guillotine because it's so cool. Mm. Benderly suggests that instructors use the Gage case to illustrate the importance of critical thinking. And that, my dear listeners, is the story of Phineas Gage. Well, thanks, Ron. That was a pretty good report. Don't steal my bits. Oh, it's happening, bitch. And you need to call me Ooh. Wayne or something if you want to stay on brand here. It nope. has to be mishearing of my name, not calling me something close to your name. <laughs> Silly sack of shit. Uh, um, it's also, you have to sell it with your face, which, considering this is just an auditory medium, is not going to translate nearly as well. It, fuck, it pisses me off every Save it for the time after that dark. you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's the one shtick I have on that show, so it's, you it's gotta leave it shit. to me. Um, yeah. How how did you lie here? Yeah. Do you have any uh, other you know? Pardon the uh, pun here. Stabs at uh, things? No, I'm I'm trying to trying to think of it, but there's just a big hole okay. in me. Was yeah. it really eight ounces of pus? Yes, it was. Okay. Eight yeah. glorious ounces. That's actually uh, Gushing Granny's EP name. Indeed, <laughs> and Blood Lube at the same time. It was uh, the grindhouse so of it, albums. It's a split EP called yep. Eight Ounces of Pus. <laughs> I listened to it. That's disgusting in it's ways so... that even managed to turn my stomach. <laughs> so gross. All right, so here are the lies. Of course, you caught two of the things on the list, but prior to that, uh, it was referred to as the American crowbar case, Michael. You were right on the top of the other lie that I told afterwards, which was termed a modern miracle in a wonderless age. That Aww. is not what it is called. Here is the, here, here's the phrase that was employed, and you're going to thank me for changing it. The case which more than all others is calculated to excite our wonder, impair the value of prognosis, and even to subvert our physiological doctrines. Michael's doing that face again. I would have put that as a subtitle for a book. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, are you a fuck what is long-winded. 
So, yeah, reading, I was like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. That's your tagline for the film? That's what follows? In a world, the case which more than all others is calculated to excite our wonder, impair the value of prognosis, and even to subvert our physiological doctrines. Blood loop. Coming whenever I want. Also, side note, because of you, Shane, um, I astounded a coworker by when we were venting about uh, an event at work. Uh, mm describing it as a group of dim-witted dunderfucks. Congratulations. And he said he'd never heard of something so astounding as that phrase, and he loved it. And, uh, yeah. So thank you. I I have very few things that I have contributed to the pop cultural phenomenon here, and if that's one, I'm very glad. You've d- you done good, kiddo. Oh, I'm gonna cry. Slap yourself on well, the Well, if you do, you I'll get hard, job. so... Uh, even better... The quote attributed to Gage as the doctor was approaching him is a lie. I had initially written, I am now a holy man, which I thought was going to be a bit too far, <laughs> yeah, uh, we, too we on the nose. I, at least I so then uh, changed to, I have never considered myself a devout man, but the Lord has certainly proven his divinity Aww. to me this day is the quote. What he actually said to the doctor as he walked up is he said, <laughs> no, he said, here is business enough for you. Wait, what? <laughs> Oh, because the Here's doctor business was enough for you. Yeah, he's like, by the way, I got plenty for you to take care of, okay. asshole. So it, he had well, a sense of humor. Good gravy. He, he didn't yeah. convert to Christianity or anything, but he, he made a joke at his own expense. Well, so bless him. Go. I got to give you, that was that was a good one. Bless you. Yeah. And bless him. He existed with a fucking hole in his head. And furthermore, I threw a, uh, what I will call a Michael lie in here. Is a number in that uh, I do something that uh, it's a number and something that we have no frame of reference to living in the Southwest. Uh, Gages. That's a John. That's a John. It's a bit of with that with Mount Everest. So, uh, though, recognizing his mother and uncle who were subbed from Lebanon, New Hampshire, some 500 miles away. uh, Lebanon, New Hampshire is only 30 miles away and they wouldn't have been able to travel that overnight considering they were laying the railroad track down. So there wasn't really speedy conveyance to travel 500 miles. I'm friends with Michael. I never claimed to be smart. But, you know, they would walk 500 miles just to be the. Man guy who, who jerks off in your shoe at your door. The man who gets impaled by a camping iron. <laughs> so uh those were the lies you did not catch, were those three. And then of course okay. the uh, his bestial carnality and often running objects through his head to amuse onlookers were neither things that he did, though it would have been funnier if folks had claimed that. I agree. Well, I see how I got these scars. <laughs> <laughs> good pull I like that my father was a railroad baron and a fiend he came uh, home with a crowbar one night and fucked my face with it see? let's put a hole in that head <sighs> you want to be as useful to me as an asshole right here as Shane puts a circle on his forehead. I'm just doing descriptive audio, Thank you. guys. No, I, I, I appreciate that. Ooh. I was going to do that, and you, you beat me to the punch. Can we get to the ASMR, then? No. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, Shane, let's do a quick update here. We're on the tail end of the episode here. 
Um, we are indeed. How are you on Sekiro? Are you you plowing right through? You you hit a wall? Where are you we plowing at? right through it like a hole through a head? I have gotten to uh, the weird banjo playing woman who uh, attacks you uh, when you stop and chat. Her? I just stopped after that, and I began oh, to okay. read Dune. Hey, and, uh, nice. yeah, so I am now about 200 pages into Dune, which I am really enjoying on the, you know, my most recent pass. It's a marvelous book. I look forward to you catching up as well. And of course, as I said, I barreled into Cujo, which was great. Yeah, um, I actually just formed a quote unquote little book club with a coworker, the same coworker who was impressed with Dimwitted Dunderfuck. Uh-huh. He's also an avid reader. That's how he uh, decompresses after his shifts. And I don't understand how he I, I tell him this all the time. Like, I don't know how you go home and like read like I am so emotionally and mentally just fucked after 10 hours of this that like I can't like I'm not going to read something like I, I just need something mind numbing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to each their own. But anyway, he was telling me books that he's read. Um, and I tried to give him recursion out of my car and he said that he'd already read it and he loves Blake Crouch. Um, to which I had a, like the conversation of, I liked it the first time I read it, second time I read it, not so much, but you know, it, it does have some interesting things here and there. Um, so long story short, crib from Shane, too bloody <clears throat> late. I realized that I had my bag with me and I had the paperback of Dune in there and i said if you want to get a head start you can take dune because he's just about to be done with his book okay. and i plan on doing the audible route again um, all right and dark tower is going to take me some time because i want to go with the podcast because i'm really really enjoying the Makes analytics sense. like the analytical views while yeah. i'm mm-hmm. reading the book it's also having your hand held yeah oh well, yeah but it's 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 really really helpful because there are some things earlier on in the the uh, the series that I've forgotten about. As um, I said, when we got into this whole nonsense initially, is yeah, there are little bits that help you to keep the continuity strong so that you'll remember them by the time you get there, because otherwise there's a lot of shit to remember. Yeah. But anyhow, um he is he's gonna be reading Dune, and so we all should be on the same page here pretty soon. Um and if you're listening, even though I don't think you're a podcast guy, hi Travis and thank you, Travis. Bless you. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to you replacing Logan in the band eventually, because this is how John works his way through friends. Yeah, basically, um, I'm Big like another uh, another local intended. Phoenix musician. I just need to sleep with everyone and then mm-hmm. get them to play with me. And yep, just and, homie hopping. Yep, just homie hopping. Uh, I and learned then it from, you get them to join. I your learned band it from watching you. you. Play with them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very fine point you make. Well, gentlemen, I think that has managed to wrap this up in a tasty little Christmas-themed package. Is it Christmas-themed? Like tinsel, tinsel around the tree. Is it Christmas-themed because there's holes in it? Yes, it's holy. <laughs> Silent Night, Holy Head. <laughs> the holly and the Mother ivory. Uh, anything else that we would care to impart on the end of the episode here? Um, birds aren't real. You should really look into marine life. Also... Um, Shane already said that we're not doing social plugs anymore, but we cut that bit because it got a little too sad. Oh, we can totally do social plugs. Um, I mean, they need some sort of plug. Podcast. 
I mean, if you go to Facebook.com, it's uh, Facebook.com slash Disinformed Podcast on Instagram at Disinformed Podcast and on the Twitters at Disinformed Pod. And also we are on YouTube, but I'm afraid you're going to have to check us out because I have not done a tiny URL for that yet. But all of our material is there in playlist form. So if you prefer, you can snag the podcast there and listen to the entire run of this glorious thing, 70 episodes deep. All in sequence, because continuity is fun, particularly mm-hmm. for jokes. And you can get through the material in about two or three days of continuous listening. Michael would know. <laughs> if he Those had to gander a guess. Yeah. <laughs> or Gandalf a guess. Gandalf a guess. I tested it. Arrives yes. precisely when he means to. Um, and also, mm-hmm. uh, just because I'm going to stomp on you here, Shane... Um, mm-hmm. every Wednesday we have been doing a fanfic read, uh, the Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles, which releases at 10 a.m. Mountain time. Every Wednesday. We are pleased to announce that soon here you're going to see basically a recurring guest throughout the, the entirety of it, or the rest of it, rather, yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, the Christian Stitcher herself will be joining us as a recurring character. To keep us thematically on brand, as it were. And we're also attempting to try out that old chestnut and see whether or not if a fanfic falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, is it still entertaining? I think yes. It's at least entertaining to four people. I agree. And it's entertaining to everyone who, they're like, oh, you do that? That sounds really funny. I should check that out sometime. And then never checks it out. Yeah, so... Well, <laughs> if if and nuts was candy and nuts, if and butts it, candy. <laughs> well, we'll stop hate fucking our audience here again, Love like you. always. Oh. Especially uh, if you're from then. Australia, because I'm not Michael, who fucking hates Australians. <laughs> hey, uh, Michael, try on your Irish accent and say Liam for me. Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> All right then. I almost tried, and I no. Do it, you can't. <laughs> Liam. Liam. <laughs> so, also, if you're Scottish enjoying... <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> oh, if you're enjoying what you're hearing on the episodes here, we also have sort of a, a post-coital moment of convalescence with one another, which is Disinformed After Dark that you can find every Friday on the Tubes of You as well. Also 10 a.m. Mountain Time, where we just kind of decompress, chat about odd little moments of ephemera that occurred on the episode, and then whip in the occasional Chuck Klosterman's hypothetical in order to keep things scintillating and interesting for all of you listeners. Yeah, it's kind of like the regular show, but after dark. And less uh, profane language for those of you who are not like Phineas Gage and cannot be accepted into polite society. Correct. Well, I think that is going to give us a uh, a glorious little bit of outro. Michael, thank you, as always, for all of your contributions to the episode. And uh, they were five raucous minutes of conversation. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And how. I look forward to speaking with you for five minutes again. Why would you tease something like that and then ask me to cut it? Every wobbleless week. I just don't understand. Cut, cut, cut. Here's the young is back when they was young and appreciative. No. Oh, I guess I can do a teaser oh, for next week. Ooh, I'm interested. <laughs> because John doesn't like doing work and uh, writing his own episodes. I don't. Um, exactly. I'm going to jump into, and since both of you have done an episode on Satanism, I figured I would do an episode myself. But since there isn't a third sect of Satanism that I can use. Nothing science-related. Uh, yeah. 
I decided to do the satanic ritual abuse or the 80s satanic panic. Oh, fun. fair. Fair fun. The follow-up record yes. from Blood Lube, as I recall. Yeah, it's uh, Eight Ounces of Pus followed After by Satanic pus, Panic. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Gushing Grannies is not featured in that one, unfortunately. <laughs> but they are featured on Eight Ounces of Pus. They are, because you can't help it. That's the only way they're going to get wet anyway. So... <laughs> Um, but we also do want to occasionally have the quote-unquote loose fit on the fly episodes to allow a little decompression period for you as well, Michael. So at some point this month. Yeah, we're happy to do that. Or we, we've talked about you know being able to have guests, guests on. So yes. even if we just wanted to have Christian Stitcher back since she's going to be recurring, we could, we could bring her in. Or mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Uh, our good friend at Book Invasion, Scott, is excited to get on at some point as well. Oh. I just need to coordinate because he's got youngins that he's rearing, and uh, so oh, we've fuck. got to figure out a good schedule. But yeah, Scott in he here. Is, uh, I haven't talked to Scott in a long time. Yeah, shoot. It's been a hot minute, so we're looking forward to, to pulling him in as well. So we have options. There are plenty of folks just waiting in the wings. Okay. Well, then let's let's do that so I can make this a let's really good episode. Let's make the guest episodes until Courtney tells us that she's ready to present because there is a topic that she is allegedly writing for us. She is writing an episode. Until that episode, uh, I think anytime we have a guest on, we'll just keep it uh, conversational. Indeed. Okay. That's fair. She did call dibs. Yep. Well, daddies that aren't my daddies. We're going to get to sign you off for the podcast that God cucked. From our group of tiny wangers, this is the Disinformed Podcast. I am Shane. Thanks, Wayne. I'm John. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thanks, Sean. And I'm Michael. (laughs) And for all of you other individuals who are apparently audibly anemic, (laughs) so long and good night. Well, dong, <laughs> it's all right. So, so dong and all right. <laughs>